right, folks, grab a seat and pour your drink neat as Whiskers and Whiskies present Tales of the Trophies, the Big Ten's greatest rivalries. I'm Mike, back with EJ and Joe. Fellas, how are we doing? Doing fantastic. We're great. We had some big games this past weekend, but uh, not my team. <laughs> not not your team, indeed. You got some, We got some big games on the horizon, though. That's for damn sure. And we'll, I know we'll get to that Ooh, here, man. but once again... We are we are blessed. Hashtag blessed to have a uh, a guest on the show here. Joe, would you like to to introduce our special guest? Sure. So our, our special guest this week is uh, one of my best friends from Michigan. He is I don't know your exact title, but he works for New Holland Brewing and Distilling. And Some best friend. Not the owner. He doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't want to claim that. <laughs> Stock must be down. Um, <laughs> So he's here to talk about New Holland and tell us what we're drinking. And uh, we can just jump jump right into it. But his name's Adam Dickerson. And uh, we're drinking the Beer Drinkers Old Fashioned today. So I don't know if you want to tell us a little bit about, about that and uh, a little bit about New Holland. Yeah. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Appreciate welcome it. to the show, Adam. Yeah, yeah welcome. Big fan of what you're doing so far. Glad to be part of it. Um, yeah, super excited when Joe invited me on. Uh, I get to talk about whiskey and alcohol a lot, but I don't really get to talk about sports too so it's pretty good um <laughs> what we're drinking tonight is it called a beer drinkers old-fashioned uh you can use any kind of new holland whiskey you'd like whether it's our beer barrel bourbon product shot or uh dragon's milk bourbon is where we originally had made this but what you do is you take our dragon's milk stout and if you're willing to kind of get experimental and work on it a little bit you take the stout, you boil it down um, and add sugar and it turns itself into a really cool, sweet, but like savory syrup. And it makes your regular old fashioned into something kind of different, unique uh, and really good. So it's like two ounces of bourbon, a half ounce of that syrup and about a um, couple drops of bitters. And uh, I'm using an orange peel tonight. That's a little same here. Twist around there. Should we give it a try? Yeah, yeah let's do it. Let's do it. Cheers, Cheers. boys. Oh, that's really nice. This, so, okay. So I yeah. always, always, always drink the drink before, like we do our tasting. Like it's just what I do. Cause you know, I'm an alcoholic. can't help <laughs> myself, but I waited this time because I wanted to give my pure unadulterated reaction. And that is lights out. Awesome. I don't, let's get another sip here. Let's see what that yeah, can Thank you. No, it's uh when I was making the the syrup, obviously I was a little nervous. I've never really made that. I've watched a couple of cooking shows on how they make caramel, which is disgusting to me. How much sugar <laughs> is put in making caramel? Well, I was afraid that that's what would happen. Like I'd caramelize it or, or boil, like overboil it. it. It turned out, but I I tasted it to make sure, and it was super sweet. But in this drink, with everything added, the bitters, the orange peel. Uh, the bourbon it's not as sweet as i thought and it is wonderful yeah, yeah. it's it's really good like the car it, like caramely definitely comes through and like i mean dragon's milk is like definitely a it's a good rich beer and like you get a lot of that it, it's fantastic i'm i'm loving the hell out of I think this that just I, shows... made a, I made a double on purpose i i had all the faith in the world in you adam i knew you were gonna steer us <laughs> wrong we had that dragon's milk when, when bourbon when joe uh first joined us and yeah. ever since then I, i'm super high on it this is great Thank you very much. Yeah, I think that the syrup, it just adds, uh, I like to say savory, but like this kind of richness that you yeah. don't get in a normal syrup. And it's just another added depth of flavor that I think makes it just really interesting. It's like definitely 
the number one selling cocktail in our tap rooms and our tasting rooms. So glad you guys enjoy it. So do you guys have like just a whole like vat of the syrup ready to go? Our bartenders work hard like every couple of days on making a fresh batch. Cool. It's, not, it, um, it's not like super hard to make, but I feel like no. it's you don't want a ton of it if you're not going to use it, you know? Yeah, it doesn't last forever. I, yeah. I wouldn't keep it around for more than a week or so. But um, yeah, there's enough sugar in there to make it shelf stable for a little while. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's for anyone who who uh, wants to give it a try. It's just challenging enough to be fun, not yeah. challenging enough to be like too difficult to actually execute. So the recipes on our website, dragonsmilk.com, and you can check out all a bunch of recipes on there too. Yeah, I gotta say, hats off to the to your website because you guys did a great job of like walking through the process and the tips too, like how you want to hard pour the beer in to help and yeah. like some of the tips to help get the carbonation out. Like that was helpful. I definitely wouldn't have done that without that. So that was good. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, I think it turned out pretty well and definitely not overly challenging. I mean, it's it's Monday. So I made this on a Monday after work. So and my Mondays are terrible meetings from dawn till dusk so i still had the energy to make this thing and i'm super pleased that it made a double because like i said i was anticipating it being good and i'm glad i did awesome yeah i'm still looking at the website here and i'm eyeing up this uh dragon's milk white whiskey sour maybe as a different week we'll do one of those it sounds pretty good very yeah. similar yeah yeah that sounds good now i know you said this is real popular in the tap room right like what's What's the vibe like at, at like your tap room and tasting room? Like I've never been to New Holland Brewing, but like I yep. love going to all kinds of good like breweries and distilleries and trying stuff. What's what's the vibe like there? And uh, yeah. you know, tell tell us a little bit about the experience. Yeah, we try to just create really really solid moments for people to come in and, and enjoy both beer and spirits, which is a unique thing for us um, at all of our locations. But we've got right now we've got. Um, four yeah four locations we've got two brew pubs one in holland michigan right on the lakeshore and one in grand rapids they're a little bit different in their vibe intentionally we wanted to kind of create something different and so in holland it feels really kind of um nowadays i would call traditional but it's in an old brick building and um you know it feels more like your neighborhood pub your neighborhood yeah. kind of tavern and then in grand rapids what we have is something completely different it's a, a really um a, a quite large location really kind of contemporary and modern like clean really kind of feels like you're in a, in a big city you've got like a giant beer garden in the back a really oh, nice ceiling with like open open air garage doors that open uh, um, I love so that. that one feels like when you're there on a weekend night or even a wednesday thursday friday evening it, it's got a real energy to it like it feels like you're out with some friends having a really like upbeat moment yeah. um and so a little bit different vibes at both and then we've got some tasting rooms in some little uh, resort towns in on west in West Michigan where you can come and just get like a cocktail or a, a spirit, um, a whiskey or something. Let's say I'm stopping at one of the brew pubs. What do I got to eat? Because I got to know what kind of food is good there too. Like yeah. what's what's you what's what's your go to? You can't come to either of our brew pubs without getting uh, pepperoni pinwheels. Like yes. we we tried to open the second location without them because they're like take a very specific oven to make and like people were like. Like they were going to burn down the building. <laughs> so they're essentially like pizza roll. Like I'm pretty sure like 20 years ago, one of our chefs was like at the end of the night, had some extra pizza dough and like rolled yes. them up. Like they look like little cinnamon rolls, but they're pizza and they're so freaking good. They're amazing. Yeah. That's that's awesome. I, some of the best recipes come out of uh, like a little creativity like that. Yep. You know, that's that's fantastic. So are these something you can freeze and maybe uh, we could 
try on the show here? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you can buy them in our store to go. Um, but I don't know how I, I could try to ship them to you guys, but we can uh, figure that out off, offline. Out. Yeah. We'll dry. I still be fine. What, what I can say is so I, I, well, the three of us that are Michiganders were all born on the East side of the state. And yep. my parents have since moved, uh, the last decade over to Kalamazoo. So I had only been to Grand Rapids once and in that kind of area, uh, Holland, Grand Rapids. And I had no idea the kind of beer scene that was there. Um, yeah. And they even have like a beer passport because there's like 30 plus breweries in that area. Yeah. It's absolutely awesome. I highly recommend, maybe not in the wintertime because it's right off the lake and it's a little cold and snowy. A little but cold. if you can get out there, it's just an awesome beer scene obviously people you know new holland's well known um and yeah it was great it, it kind of I, I guess i just even being from michigan i had no idea uh what was all out there founders and you know there's a few famous ones um yeah. including new holland but yeah it, it was great I, I couldn't believe it yeah it's super fun get on out here give new holland a call we'll host you I know Dragon's Milk is like super popular. Like whenever I think of New Holland, that's definitely the one that like kind of comes to comes to mind for me for sure. Like, do you guys like barrel age a lot of stuff? Like, do you see people being like, oh yeah, barrel age stat is good, but like trying to barrel age like you know an ale like IPA or something like that? Is that something you yeah. guys do too? Or? Yeah, if if it can be brewed, we've probably barrel aged it by now. <laughs> um, whether it's you know whiskey, beer, gin vodka, you know, uh, any type of beer we've barely, we've barrel aged salsa. We've barrel aged hot sauce. Salt. Yeah. <laughs> we've barely, we've got so many barrels. It's like, we've really, we literally turned them into furniture because we've just got so many. I mean, we're like the number one highest selling, uh, barrel aged out. I, I would say probably in the world because it's the number one in the United States. And well, if you got T-Pain selling you, that's yeah. good to go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we just moved through so many barrels. It's crazy. So we just try to do everything we can with it. The whiskey we're drinking tonight is actually aged in new oak and then aged in dragon's milk barrels to give it a really nice kind of mocha kind of coffee-like uh, chocolate-like finish. So that's really nice. Um, but at any point you can come to our brewery. Um, I'm not exactly sure when this will air hundred percent, but in like November, we will, uh, we'll having, we're having like this big event called barrel bash and it's like, Ooh. we're tapping like 35 barrel aged beers and a whole bunch of stuff. So, um, damn, that is, I mean, I know that EJ and Joe have some, some things happening with the family coming up in November, but I'm free. I might just make yeah, a trip up. Come on we'll yeah, <laughs> You'll get one third of whiskey, whiskers and whiskey. Yeah. yeah, the bigger third. So, you know, uh, just by size, pure volume. Uh, so, wait, but one thing too, I was curious about is that, I mean, you guys do, you, you brew and you distill. I feel like there's not a lot of companies that do both of that. How, how did yeah. you guys get into that? It was honestly uh, just like a nature of kind of curiosity from our owner. And we just had so many people um, over the years asking, like, can they get a cocktail at our location? And I think our owners got tired of saying no. And he literally like just called up this guy who runs the American Distilling Institute. It's like a, uh, what'd you call that? Like an association like a of distillers. Yeah. Um, and he literally just like, hey, let's go to your brewery. We found a bunch of old scrap pieces of equipment, built a still out of it, and just started making whiskey and gin. Get and now, out of here. Yeah. Now, uh, probably like 15 years later, 13 years later or so, um, yeah, we're like the second largest distiller in Michigan and selling a lot of whiskey and a lot of like canned cocktails and, and gin. And yeah, it's, it's crazy. But 
Um, we just really try to make sure like anyone who comes into our locations has something they're going to want to drink. Um, and we like, we don't like to say no to people. So, yeah. So I know that like uh, something that surprised me when I've gone on a couple, um, distillery, uh, tours and stuff was that how, um, even though if the place is known for whiskey, gin is, a a, a typically made because it, it's faster. You can it, distill yeah. it faster and you can sell it while you're waiting for the whiskeys to age and stuff. Do you know, and I have no idea if you know this, or I'm curious, are there any kind of, um, uh, ret- like, uh, ingredients that can go in between beers or any of the various whiskeys or gins that make it a little easier. If you do one, you could potentially do the other. Yeah. I mean, essentially to make, um, to make whiskey, you have to be able to make beer first Um, because whiskey is essentially at its core, like distilled beer without hops. So you you take your malt, you take your yeast, you ferment that with water, um, and you get alcoholic, you know, an alcoholic liquid anywhere from, you know, four to 20%, like a beer. And then you take that and you run it through the distill, boil it, you capture all that evaporation, which is the alcohol, condense it back down into liquid, and you've got high proof spirit. So if you're making, if you're making beer, you're halfway there. Um, so it makes it, we, we have, we literally, half of the process happens in our brewery and yeah. then the, the that like um, wash gets moved over to the distillery and uh, distilled. I just yeah. love how it all came about too. Like, yeah. <laughs> all right. These people want cocktails. Let's just make some, let's make some booze, but like, no, let's not just make booze. Let's make really good booze too. Yeah. Cause like that dragon's milk bourbon is delicious. Thank you. Yeah. So, so dragon's milk. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that's all right. Go ahead. I was gonna say dragon's milk. The, the beer is kind of the OG and then the bourbon stems from that. It yeah. sounds like. So, do yep. you guys have, or do you have a favorite, uh, like newer, up and coming spirit or beer that you guys are excited about? Oh yeah, I don't think I can say a couple things, but people should. Or stay anything that's come out recently that you're that you. Yeah, but you know, of. I mean, there, we're going to be releasing a bunch of cool whiskey in the next five months. I just can't cool. say too much about it yet. So keep an yeah. eye out on social media. Yeah, that's right. I didn't mean to put. Uh, I just mean I was just. Looking for something that we could highlight that give uh, us the dates, give us out. the scoop here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've news. got older and older whiskey coming. We've been aging whiskey for up to ten years, so like oh, we've nice. got more stuff coming out soon. That's going to be really awesome. Um, but yeah, we're. I mean, we are just about to release in November a ten-year single malt. So if you think of if you're more of a Scotch drinker, you're probably familiar with the term single malt. It's uh, barley based rather than corn. Um, we distill it all in a pot still like the traditional scotch distillers do and we've aged it for 10 years finished it in sherry casks so Ooh. that's called zeppelin bend reserve and it's a 10 year old whiskey and that'll be available only at our um tap rooms but maybe we can ship to you guys a bottle and you can you can oh, have yeah. it uh, mccallan does it podcast mccallan does a sherry cask whiskey that i love so i'm, I'm yeah. my wife hates it she says it smells she doesn't like the sweetness sure i love it so i'm i'm gonna have to get that shot that sounds right up my alley yeah there are not very many uh american distillers making 10 year old single malt whiskey so we're super excited about it and uh um, that'll release in like a month so keep an eye out for that for sure awesome Awesome. I know. You mentioned you might be coming out in a couple months. Maybe we could uh, do a yeah. live recording and maybe you could bring some with you. Absolutely. I will be, I can see how much they'll let me bring on my, on my flight. It's like four or five bottles of work. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I know actually I went, uh, 
I was at the store and I don't know what I was there for, but I came across your Ichabod. Is that Ichabod yeah. for Crane? Yeah. Uh, the pumpkin. I haven't opened it yet. I was actually saving it for a podcast um, uh, so that I could share it with these two, but I'm really excited for it. And then I saw uh, on your don't social you media, guys, that. you've posted don't about it. I have, I haven't, um, but I, I'm, I love pumpkin beer and I'm really excited to try yours because I, I, yeah. I haven't tried it yet. Yeah. You know what, EJ, I love about you is that you're confident in yourself enough to say you love pumpkin beer because I love pumpkin <laughs> beer too. And I'm sick of people thinking they're too good for pumpkin beer because it tastes good. Um, I am too good I for love pumpkin it. beer. Yeah, I just don't like pumpkin. Joe is one of those people. I love it. I hate pumpkin I love anything. Pumpkin beer. And uh, Ichabod's great because it's like it's it's 75% amber ale, like 25% pumpkin. So it's yeah. not like you're drinking pumpkin pie in a glass or like you're not drinking sure. PSLs. Yeah, it's not like yeah, it's not a spice latte in a glass. It is still beer. Um, yeah, yeah it's that, that I would try, even though I don't like pumpkin. I'd, I'd give that a try. So yeah, yeah. See, I don't. That's why I don't like some of them because they're too sweet. And I, I'm glad that you guys. Uh, I'm definitely EJ. Don't open it, or else I, I haven't. It's still in my garage. They're just sitting there waiting for me to chill them for eventual consumption. All right, man. All right, guys. Do we have uh, any other questions? I have one non-related beer question for adam but i'm not going to ask it until until we've gotten all of our uh beer questions out and and bourbon and and all these wonderful alcohol related Man, questions fire away i'm good on my end pal we want to give, is... give it a quick rating oh yeah oh well, yeah. Well, yeah let's write this before i ask this unrelated question what's the scale one to, one five. to five. five do you a point point two five point you can do whatever you want you can we'll do whatever yeah. you Pass. want Who's first? I'll go. Um, I am a huge fan of this drink. Um, I definitely think it's one of my favorites that we've done thus far. And I think it's, I really like the orange and um, I usually have uh Peychaud bitters, which taste different than, uh, ooh, how do I say this? The A1. Yes, that one, <laughs> which is a very different flavor. If you guys don't realize bitters have, um, much different flavors. Was that uh, your question for him? the same? No, it wasn't. But I just like the citrus of uh, of this uh, drink along with that syrup, which makes it so unique uh, compared to any other um, old fashioned that you'll have. So I'm really uh, I'm really high on this um, of all the drinks that we've had thus far. So I'm gonna probably put it at like a four point five. Like I honestly might make us take a break just so I can get another one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll go next. And I mean, call it pandering, call it. I'm really excited for the sherry. The, I want some of that cherry oak. I want a whole bottle myself. Pepperoni pinwheels, mail some of that to me. So call me, <laughs> call it pandering, call me a show, but it, it's a five for me. This is fantastic. I mean, it doesn't like old fashions, my favorite. So this is right up my alley. Maybe it feels good too that I feel like I did a really good job on the simple syrup too. Like that, that, you know, is maybe I'm happy about that um but yeah i love it it's it's right up my alley it's five for me i'm enjoying the hell out of this love it all right i'm gonna go i'm gonna go 4.75 uh, wow yeah, I, I think it's great uh and like like you guys said it's easy to make uh, i was a little a little hesitant at the beginning just because like when you see the recipe you're like oh i gotta boil this stuff down i'm not i'm not a chef here yep um but it's great awesome thank you guys. chef Appreciate it. All right, Adam, I just got to know. So I kind of alluded to this earlier. Yeah. Um, we're from the eastern part of the state. And um, like I said, my parents have now lived out there for 10 years uh, on the west side in Kalamazoo. 
Um, you've probably been out there for close to that too, right? Almost a decade out on yeah. the West side. They absolutely love it. Said they would never move back to the East side again. Yeah. How do you compare the West side of Michigan compared to the East side? Yeah, I couldn't say I would never move back, but it would take a lot. Like I yeah. really, really love it out here. Um, Grand Rapids definitely feels like home. It's like the perfect size city and you can get out into the woods, the beach, um, you know, out into the country, doing whatever you want to do, skiing, hiking, any outdoor activity, like at a moment's notice. And the city is a great size, a great community. Um, got everything you need. Like you said, the beer scene, if you're, if you like to drink alcohol, like I do, um, it's great. It has everything you need. Um, and you know, I think I, I was like a little bit, my timing was right. Like I, you know, someone might say I just like gave up on the East side, but when I moved out here, it was at a time where it was just like an all time low. Like people were just so pessimistic living on the East side. And it was just like out here, sure. uh, everyone's just in a good mood. And, and I've been back and Detroit is just killing it right now. Like For sure. I love getting back over there. There's so much to do. It's so vibrant right now. They're doing so much to try to turn that city around, but I, I definitely really enjoy living on the West side. And I think it's just like, I don't think a lot of people realize or think of Michigan um, as a destination for like summer vacation, but like, especially Lake Michigan, the, the beaches on the West side of the state are class. Like yeah. they're very, very nice. Um, yeah. It's, it's, you might, I mean, like people really, like we get so many people in visiting the brewery from all over the country and the world. And they're like, this, you might as well be in California. I'm like, yeah, the beaches are huge. You can't see the other side of the lake. The water yeah. doesn't taste like salt. If you get right. fresh water it. and, yeah. uh, and you, you have a winter, you're really, people can ski, really people can, aggressive. Yeah. You can surf, uh, you can <laughs> on like a really stormy day. There are people who go out with their surfboards, but, uh, that you need, you need some storms and some wind. Uh, but yeah, it's really, it's really kind of a cool place to live. Michigan beaches are definitely on my bucket list. I, I've seen American pie too. You know, they, yeah. they were, I, I know, yep. I know what that scene's like. I want to get out there. Yeah. And especially yeah. now, now that, now that I know that all the good beer and booze that's out there, I got to do it. Yeah. You got to go up the coast all the way from Holland up to Traverse city and you're going to have a hell of a time. That's Sounds good. I'm put, put it on the calendar. All right, guys. Uh, you guys want to transition into some uh, college football talk? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Why don't we do a recap of last week's or this last weekend's uh, games? Uh, so let's start off with the two games, uh, the trophy games that we had talked about last episode and, uh, and a couple episodes prior to that um, before we get into the rest of the ones. So let's talk about the old brass spittoon. So I can kind of start here since I'm uh, the only Spartans fan here right now. Um, but it was a dogfight. I kind of, we talked about this, uh, you know, Mike and Joe thought it would be and probably should have been an easier fight. I just kind of had that pessimism feeling and, you know, with the Indiana coming off their bye, uh, not having the season they want, it was homecoming, uh, felt like we were going to get their best and, they gave us a punch very fortunate um, that we uh, survived this game but some of the highlights for me is uh, Micah McFadden who's been a linebacker there I feel like for nine years he is just incredible was all over the field really helped bottle up our run game um, and the defense just did what it does the entire season kind of a bend don't break and forced um, 
field goals, uh, really good red zone defense and force field goals instead of touchdowns. And that was really the difference. Uh, a couple of key turnovers, but um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a little nerve wracking, but I'm glad that we kind of came out with uh, the victory in a bye week. Hey man, uh, they don't ask how they ask how many you guys got. A, I mean, yeah, every game's tough. And we talked about it. I mean, every game's kind of tough in the big 10 this year. And uh, you guys got one hell of a running back on your squad too. I mean, he's going to be trouble. He, if you guys can get a lead against a team like, you know, Michigan, Penn state, like, and he can just keep pounding the rock. You guys are going to be able to sustain it. Just fine. I think Ohio state. I mean, that's another story if they keep playing that way, but still, like yeah. I said, I, I think CJ Stroud is, he's still a young kid and do uh, to make some mistakes. So if you can get a lead and sustain it, I mean, that kid's going to keep it going for you. So. See, I feel a little bit different. I mean, this week I think was was a, a week that he should have proved proven himself, and he came out. I'm looking at the stats right now. He had 80 yards, but how much of that was forced at the end? Like he didn't really show up when it was time for him to show up. I watched most of that game, and I didn't think he was there. Like him and and Thorne as well. Same thing. Like if you're on Heisman watch, you're putting up kind of garbage numbers against Indiana. I don't know. Yeah, I well, see it. There, there's plenty of uh of I think Heisman candidates that at the beginning of the season compared to where they are now. And I think we'll talk about one of those guys in a little bit uh, when we get to Oklahoma, but no spoilers, but yeah, I think a Heisman is really wide open right now. Like there's no one really running with that race. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I think the key, I think the key for, for Walker and really just Michigan state in general is again, like they've gotten where they they've gotten through their schedule so far, obviously well ahead of schedule, but I, and I think the Heisman talk is always a tricky situation because like you really can't talk until close to the season, the end of the season. So you have obviously Michigan state has their three best opponents that they haven't played yet. And I would argue, obviously, if you're a Heisman hopeful, you have to play not only just, you have to be consistent. You can't just have a couple of good games, but you also have to um, play well um, against uh the best competition and, and running yeah. backs are always at like a disadvantage, right? I think there's only been two running back Heisman's in the last 15 years. It's, it's not as much as you'd expect. Yeah, no, it's it's usually a quarterback, right? Um, yeah. I think they're also like, you kind of touched on this, like their schedule has been, I mean, who have they played? Miami turns out to be garbage. North Northwestern same, but We'll see Michigan watch them go and lose to them this week. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna um, say, be careful what you're talking. No, about. I mean it's reality. Like, <laughs> and I think reality is what Walker was kind of brought down to this week. Hoosiers, eh, Rutgers. I don't know. I, I mean, the the best is yet to come for their schedule. So I guess that'll that'll we'll see. Yeah, and Rutgers. Speaking of them, they are no longer on my. Uh, I didn't <laughs> bet them this week, but yeah, they they no longer. They were my go-to for what every once in a while, you know, for for betting. It was uh, the first couple weeks. Rutgers. But the Roadrunners, UTSA, they never let me down. Meet me, love you guys. I will caveat covering. that. I think I think both Michigan State and Michigan, based on their schedules, are are still overranked. Well, we'll see. Yeah. We will see. I was looking ahead. Oh boy, <laughs> they, they, things get real interesting the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean that's just kind of how it is. That's why it's always it's always tough to. And I think Mike, I had mentioned this to you earlier. It's always tough to kind of like judge a team and it's just, it's natural habit. I'm sure I do the same thing, but it's always hard to judge a team midway through a season, because if I were to tell you um, a team beat a nine and three team that season, you'd probably say that was pretty solid. Right. Um, But what if that nine and three team started two and three, 
So yeah. at the beginning of the year, you'd right. say that team's Get garbage. Yeah. They yeah. suck. And it maybe just might meant that might have meant their schedule is front loaded. And then they kind of coasted to the end, um, you know, and, and picked up nine, eight, four, nine, and three. So, so yeah. it's always really hard to judge any kind of opponent really until, you know, obviously some have the pass the eyeball test and look terrible, but I feel like that always kind of happens, right. That people try to compare schedules and uh, who beat who. um, And so that's that's the only way you can do rankings really. Well, that's why, well, yeah, that's why I mean like a lot of the times it just needs to be like your team needs to play the, the team that you're comparing against. And then that's how it gets resolved. Cause I feel like that always kind of happens or a good opponent at the beginning of the year that you think is a quality win. And then they, you know, crap the bed. I don't think that necessarily means you played a Look poor at you, opponent. Clemson. Looking right at you, Clemson. Yeah, it's, just, it's, a, it's always, yeah. No, it's I'm looking at you, Dr. Situation. Pepper. They gave him the money early. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, speaking of people I'm yeah. looking at and, and made the biggest question coming for me out of this game was actually after the game and the locker room picture. Yeah. EJ, yeah. you sent that to us. Yeah. Who the hell? Is the guy in the picture? Did, oh, I didn't put it in this. I'm sorry, I did not put this in the show notes for you guys. Um, oh, I'll yes. pull it up. I'll pull yes. it up right here. So it is a picture of it looked like primarily defensive players with the Spartans. So they had the trophy, the old brass spittoon, and they took a picture. Uh, it was the running backs coach with about I don't know 15 players. They all look defensive players actually too. I don't know. It's kind of a weird combination of coach and players. But there's a guy. One of that, these things is not like the other. Uh, One I, of these things I, is most definitely not like the other. So the and coach just is the team. one holding the spittoon. So he looks like, you know, professional. Uh, and then there's just a guy that looks like he's in his 50s, uh, you know, in a wife beater. And I don't think he's a player. And I uh, there's no chance that, that guy's a player, a coach. Um, I don't know. Ashawn Robinson looks like he's 50 and he's like 24. So <laughs> that's true. Well, Ashawn's um, a grown man. So I've, I've no idea who that guy is. No clue. A grown man. But he also doesn't look like the kind of guy you're going to kick out of the locker room. No, no, <laughs> no, no, not at all. He gets in there. You're just probably going to let, let it ride. He's but, just uh, looking for a spitter. He's looking for a little tuner and he's like, Hey, here's a good one. It's old and brass. Uh, yeah, I, I, I have no idea who that is, but. That was uh, that was the picture that I was able to find because I um, I was watching the game on my phone and I think the the broadcast cut before they showed the trophy. Uh, like unfortunately, we've seen a few times here on this pod where we don't actually get to see it. Um, but that was the picture that the Spartans uh, posted because of you know the coach and stuff. But no clue who that guy is. No idea. That's the biggest mystery of this trophy now. Yes. Find out next week. Let's dig in. Find it. out next week. I will yeah. try and figure out who that guy is. Um, all right. So why don't we then move on to our other uh, trophy game that happened this weekend, which was the $5 bits of broken share game. And for me, this was actually, I was fortunate enough because I had the Spartans on my phone um, and this game on the TV that I was watching. So uh, for me, it was a tale of kind of two halves here. Um, with Minnesota dominating the first half and the Cornhuskers making it much more of a game in the second half um, with ultimately Minnesota winning the game. Um, but were any of you guys able to catch this game at all? No. I was back and forth on it on the uh, on the TV there. I was, I was, going to, I was heavily invested in Florida, uh, but I did catch a little bit of this game. Uh, and yeah, I thought it was good uh, as, as, 
as per usual. Uh, you know, PJ Fleck looked incredible on the sidelines there. That was probably my <laughs> biggest takeaway. Uh, shout out, coach. Read the boat, Scotty oh. Mako, go first. And uh, yeah, no, I agree. It was definitely like I didn't get to see everything because I was flipping back and forth. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely. Um, uh, I changed it and I was like, okay, what happened? And going into it, I really thought, you know, Nebraska is a tough team and, and they're going to get someone here soon. And uh, I admit this just ended up didn't be in it. I think they're going to get one at home when Michigan played them at home. It was a. I don't know. The setting was was there. It's in their favor. I think that's when they're going to snag one. Yeah. 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 Martinez, I'm pretty sure only completed like three or four passes in the first half. It was uh, it was a rough go for him. Um, there was there's one insane catch. I recommend you guys try and find it. Uh, Outman Bell. He was uh, he's a, the Minnesota um, wideout right before half. He had this insane catch right in the corner of the end zone where he was like, pass interfered and it he got his feet down still caught it it was absolutely insane um but yeah i think the tail of the second half was the cornhuskers defense helped out uh tanner had um two interceptions to pretty much start the, start the second half um and nebraska just kind of slowly but surely mainly through the running game and uh, a few big catches by their tight end who's like six foot eight um got them into the game, but ultimately it came down to they were, uh, so Minnesota was up seven with four minutes left and all they really had to do was run the ball to end it. And they honestly did one better, uh, and had a, a house call to go up uh, 14 and effectively kind of end that game. But, uh, it was definitely, if you watched the first half, you were definitely surprised. Yeah. At how well, close I, I that mean, especially because Bryce Williams was running the ball so damn well. I mean, right. you would think that would be enough to put it away. Like, that's why I thought I, I didn't watch much, much of the second half because we run the ball that good and you get into a lead, you know, I think it's, it's game over there, but did yeah. you, do we, and it also might've been homecoming too in Minnesota. So it might've been a pretty, a bigger crowd than typical because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, did you, did, um, I don't know. Minnesota's big crowds. That home opener, I was pretty. I Grant's home opener, but still against Ohio um, State. Yeah, that's true. Did um, they highlight the trophy? Yeah, I was gonna say, was the trophy on the broadcast? So I did not see the trophy on the broadcast. Now, granted, I wasn't like glued to the TV because I was, you know, uh, glancing back and forth between that and the Michigan State. But I did see a picture of it after the game, uh, and the following news is honestly awesome because if you guys have been listening we've talked about how this game kind of isn't just all about the football game and also um doubles is a, a really great fundraiser for two awesome charities and so the the trophy has a twitter account and the uh, twitter account tweeted some stats here after the game which was pretty cool so according to the trophy's twitter account they set a goal of just collecting um ten thousand dollars each uh for each charity was their goal um, going into this year, like for this game and the, the final donations, um, up until game time was, uh, for the Gophers, which was for the Minnesota Masonic children's hospital. Uh, they ended up, uh, getting $16,988 for that charity. And then the corn Huskers donations, which were for uh, team Jack foundation, uh, got $25,354. Let's go. So they got Big a numbers. total of forty-two thousand three hundred and forty-two donated this this year, 
and uh, they said over $85,000 have been donated uh, since they've started. Big numbers trophy. for the kids. Let's go. That's awesome. Yeah, it was uh, It was definitely um, great to see. Uh, I think every year, um, hopefully we, we, we helped with some of this awareness. We actually do have uh, one person, Joe, if you want to talk about it, that uh, did tell us that they, they did donate. Um, yeah. Um, so we have... Marty the Sparty, uh, he went ahead Marty. donated, uh, keeping with the theme of the $5 bits of broken chair, he donated $55 to each charity. So 55 to Team Jack and 55 to the Children's Hospital. And uh, so I think we're going to go ahead and match that. And unfortunately, Marty requested after the, uh, after the fact, he requested that I announce this on the podcast with a Spartan's hat on. <laughs> Fortunately, we're all we are all remote right now, so I don't have access to a Sparty hat. So sorry, Marty. Um, but yeah, um, appreciate. Well, for the record, Marty, I had a couple. Much. I had a couple extra, but I was not. Uh, I was not asked for said hat. So <laughs> I, I, maybe the text if only didn't there go was through. a place you could get. Yeah, a hat I think I, I didn't have service away. when I sent it. Yeah, I think Joe didn't have service this entire weekend. So um, can anyone tell me more about this trophy though? Like, is it from like WWE or what is the deal with? <laughs> Yes. So this, this started, it, it's yes, it's awesome. Um, it's so unique. Uh, and it started with, uh, on Twitter, on the internet. So it was one of the positive things that came from the internet. One of the few, <laughs> well, especially Twitter, one of the few right. positive that, things. This podcast this. and the Twitter. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's it. <laughs> um, so there was two accounts. So you had, um, account called faux Polini which is the um, parody account of uh, ex-Nebraska coach Bo Pelini uh, and the uh, Minnesota's Goldie. mascot, Goldie the Gopher. Um, <laughs> so essentially leading up to the game um, that year, they, uh, Bo Pelini or Fo Pelini, actually no, it was Goldie. It was Goldie yeah. asked if they should um, play for uh something this year and essentially it was kind of a backhanded comment like if my team wins why don't you give me five bucks and if my team loses why don't i break a chair over your back uh, and that just it was literally that and um someone saw the exchange uh between them and uh posted on reddit and said can anyone mock up uh, what this would look like and oh. someone mocked up pretty similar to what it looks like now uh, of a broken chair with a couple of $5 bills with the, uh, the, the faces on it. So this was back in like golden age of Twitter too. When you had yeah. like these brand accounts, like Goldie reaching out to like parody accounts. And then, yeah. I mean, you know, thankfully this one ended up well because this happened plenty of times and come to the King best not miss, but it went well, it went well this time. It went, it went better than well. It went splendid. Fantastic. Lovely. I just like that. I just like that. We're still creating rivalry trophies. It's not like too yeah. late. Hell yeah. Yeah. Well, buckle up, buddy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you you want to talk about a new rivalry trophy? Yeah. You, you You're came on the, to the right, right episode. episode. Um, it. Yeah. It, it was just really awesome. It was um, immediately embraced by the schools which i obviously didn't have to because it was just random fans that created this thing uh and then um one of the trophy the original trophy got uh i guess lost and someone then remade what the current trophy looks like just another random fan um that was uh reached out to at church actually 
which was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, it, it's a, it's a cool one. And then the, the people that created this last trophy also decided that in order to help it stick and wanting it to mean more than just a trophy is they came up with the idea of the fundraiser, the chair itty fundraiser, uh, every year. Um, and that's what it's been so far which is really cool. Uh, so another very cool moment that I saw. So this is where I saw the picture of the trophy itself. It was, I, I do remember seeing a picture um, online. I can't, I couldn't find it again, but uh, uh, the picture that I posted for you guys in the notes um, was something that was also pretty equally as cool. So uh, during the tailgate pro before the game, former Minnesota player and five-time cancer survivor Casey O'Brien walked around with the trophy during the tailgate and let people take pictures with it. And I don't know if you guys remember, I once I saw his name, it like sparked something for me. And yeah. I looked into it, but he was uh, the former Minnesota player that was fighting a really rare bone cancer. And in 2019, um, after I think at that point he had survived it four times, uh, he, his goal was just to get into a college football game. Like he was a walk on and, uh, practice every day and everyone was rooting for him. And they, uh, he finally got into the game against Rutgers and he was the placeholder, uh, for a PAT. And he finally got his chance to get on the field. Um, and then, uh, I think shortly after retired from playing just because, um, of him having to, to go through uh, chemo again, but very cool. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. And he was, he was out there. And then the picture here uh, that I have posted here was with a, a little kid who was also a cancer survivor as well um, from the same bone, the rare bone disease uh, they both have. So that's awesome. Very cool. So that, that trophy made its rounds uh, around the various tailgates prior to the game, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. That's dope. the trophy's small. I I yeah, it's smaller than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it's smaller than I, was, I think I was thinking more of a like a life size chair. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. <laughs> might have been the first one, might have been that big, but this uh, this remake was looks like awesome, decent well, size, but that's fantastic. But about the uh, all swell that ends well with the with the five dollar bits of broken Jerry trophy. That's fantastic. Yeah. So another note here is the official Twitter account said that they're going to keep that page live um, for. A couple more days in exactly say how long um so if you haven't had a chance uh to donate you can still donate um to both of those charities just go to brokenshare.com and uh you can you can uh, easily get the other links to those various um charities through there so recommend if you haven't had a chance uh please do uh because it's just for an awesome awesome charities all right, so why don't we talk about a couple other games that happened this weekend? So um, why don't we start with a couple of statement wins here? So this this week we had, like Joe had mentioned, uh, quite a few great games. Uh, this first one, uh, number 12, Oklahoma State uh, versus number 25, Texas. Uh, we kind of highlighted this game. Uh, they are no. still not back. No. Uh, and we kind of talked about uh, Oklahoma State wasn't really getting much um, – you know, uh, much attention because their schedule was pretty light to this point. And we talked about how important it would be for them to continue their undefeated streak to Bedlam. And they did it, went into Austin and, uh, came in with a win. Yeah. And Pijon Robinson, I mean, again, like you want to talk about tail two hats, like he was running all over the place and Texas had a big lead. And then 
they lost it. So, you know, we don't like that. We don't like that one bit, especially when we bet on the Longhorns. We we really don't like it. So, uh, yeah. Didn't learn your lesson. Well, you know, I, again, I thought surely the good Lord, uh, you know, in the state of Texas won't do this to me twice, three times. Um, yeah. So here we are. We're, we're, we're sad about this. Um, but Oklahoma State, we'll get to that. Their matchup for next week is very interesting. So, yeah, yes. I definitely think that that was a good win for Oklahoma State, but we'll see if they, uh, they have what it takes. Definitely, if things stay the way they are, it will be an interesting bedlam. And one thing that stands out for me is this isn't the Oklahoma State that you're used to. This team's, believe it or not, getting a similar really good defense. Oregon. It's the really defense that's doing defense. it. It's, they're not scoring 70 points like they have in the past. Although uh, Mike Gundy, right, Mike? Yep. Mike Gundy still has an on-point mullet. It is fantastic. Tennessee he, waterfall. He baby. has it faded up the sides, and it's like almost a mohawk mullet. Uh, he's still... Rocking the mullet for so long. Yeah, like, he's committed. Or, I don't think he can change now. I mean, I he's, know, like, he's a man. He's 40. You know, yeah. like college kids are like rocking the mullet right now. He's been doing it for like 10 years. Like that dude. <laughs> Trendsetter. And he keeps it tight. Like, I, I, you know, you kind of expect a mullet to maybe look a little, I don't know, like old age. Or I, I would argue uh, Mahomes' hair is kind of mulletish. It's it's a, it's definitely mohawk, but it's it's kind of long in the back. But that's kind of what Gundy's rocking. It's it's a it's a clean it's clean on the sides, real clean. Yeah, but real it clean. is a party in the back still. I'll tell you that. If you're, if you're gonna have it, you got to keep it clean. I think. Yeah, yeah, he definitely does. Um, but yeah. Uh, so next game, uh, number I put dollar sign here in the show notes, but I meant number eleven. Uh, Kentucky went to number one Georgia. And well, um, Georgia's just still the cream of the crop. Uh, yeah, didn't bet this one. It would drive me crazy because you know Mark Mark Stoops just uh, does not care about Las Vegas or anyone. No, that he does not. On, uh, yeah, so uh, you know that or does was, he? Uh, or or does he? Only yeah. his Kentucky or, or he does call time out with five seconds left to yep. cover. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean Georgia just. I mean, that defense, man, it's just so freaking good. I, I didn't really think that the cats were going to, you know, I, I give them a chance in this one, but uh, yeah. I, and, and speaking of speaking of this, I just wanted to say that um, I've been watching the Alabama, Oklahoma game. I record it because I couldn't watch it live this weekend. I've been watching them on the side. And you said that, you know, you have a note here, EJ, that Georgia will not be tested until the SC championship game. I'm going to go ahead and disagree. Because Alabama's terrible. This team is god-awful. Uh, the coaches stink. Uh, Pete Golding, show, like, had I watched this game live, I would be losing my mind. Pete Golding is absolutely terrible. Uh, of all the defensive coordinators to not get hired somewhere else as a head coach, why does it have to be Pete Golding? Someone please take him. Anyone. LSU, just go right down the road. You know, whatever. Uh, Bill O'Brien and Doug Marone stink. Uh Alabama is winning games despite and covering because I did need them to cover and they did cover, but they're winning and covering games just based on talent alone. Uh, their coaches aren't putting them in the right position. I think Georgia is going to run away with the SEC championship game if they play Alabama because Alabama might still lose a game before they go to the SEC championship. So 
Well, I guess I just meant, I don't think anyone in the East, I think obviously Florida, which we will get to in a little bit. I, I just don't think they're going to get much. I, I You see a, an up and coming team like Kentucky. I feel like honestly, Kentucky reminds me a lot of Michigan state and the, the maybe the level where Michigan state is at like um, competitive wise. And it's just kind of Georgia showed that they're just that, that step above they're they're, they're in that elite category. Um, and you know, majority of other teams are just kind of in that next tier. Um, but that's, that's kind of what that showed me was that they're just kind of biding their time to the playoff, right. To really to the national championship game. They're just, I mean, I think so. trying not to yeah. get injured. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, and then the, the next, uh, statement game, I would just, uh, we can quickly kind of talk about this, but Oklahoma played TCU, and Oklahoma started Caleb Williams, um, officially ending Spencer Rattler's season and his draft hopes. Um, it, it's it's, it's Williams' teams pal. now. Yeah. And uh, this just kind of stood out to me just because uh, the powers that be like this win so much that they jumped Oklahoma uh, over Cincinnati, mm. which isn't too surprising. Wait, did they? I thought Cincinnati's too. I, I feel like I saw some polls. Uh, I just have a hard time believing that coming down the stretch again, Oklahoma is going to beat probably at least play another ranked team, beat another ranked team most likely. So I think it's just one of those things where Cincinnati's sweet spot's probably going to be number three. Um, I don't think if they go undefeated, I don't think they'll go higher than two, won't go to four, but I, I really think three is probably going to be AP has them be at two, which is crazy. Yeah. Because, well, I mean, Grant, the committee hasn't come out with their rankings yet, but like, yeah, that's, I mean, because if you have them at two, you, they could potentially be one. Yeah, what's going yeah. to put them back? I mean, like, they're, they're not probably going to lose another game. So. Right. No. Right. <laughs> yeah. Adam, I, I who's, think... who's your top four? Who's your who's your CFP top four right now? Who who you think? Yeah, I think where I mean, we I are think... now. I've got Georgia and Cincinnati for sure, guys. I just don't think I don't think Cincinnati's going to lose another game, and yeah, that with the whole playoffs for is just to get some of these teams a chance to compete at the end. But um, yeah, I'm going like wild card. I think Oklahoma's going to lose to Oklahoma State, and so I think there's I don't I don't know if I'm going to be able to call all four, but I definitely think Georgia and Cincinnati are in there. Um, I mean, I, there's going to be a Big Ten team. Yeah, it's going to be a battle till the end, yeah. so might as well. Just like hold up the U of M for once. It's there been, you go. It's been too long to even like talk about them. Can I do it while you can? Competing for a championship. So like, yeah. I'm just gonna like go for it and like and say it for once in the last 12 years. Um, We've got the bases covered. I said they're overrated. You're you've got them in the college football playoff. We're good. Yeah. I just they're playing safe. They're playing solid, and yeah. uh, you know I just think they're gonna be. I think this if there is a year, this could be the year. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go for it and say they're in the. It, in the playoff this is the year that if you're one of those teams that are just having a great year you got yeah. a shot clemson officially yeah. out ohio alabama, state stumbled you know they've right. lost the game that's they don't do that so alabama doesn't look invincible anymore yep. um no they they stink actually if you, i just said <laughs> that they stink so they're, they're their talent is outplaying their coaching is what's happening no i i honestly think the Big Ten is going to be the conference to watch in November in, in late October because it's a meat grinder for it's especially the, the the East. I mean, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, those guys. I mean, th- those are going to be some great games. They're going to beat the holy hell out of yeah. each other. So. I'm pretty sure next week, not this upcoming weekend, but the following, if if 
Michigan, Michigan, or Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State all win. Next week they'll be they'll be Michigan, Michigan State would be like four and five, and Ohio mm-hmm. State, Penn State. They'll be those two games. They'll everyone will be in the top ten. They'll be crazy. yeah, yeah. I mean that that's that's the thing is. It, I agree with you, Adam. I really think you can only pencil in Georgia and Cincinnati at this point. And I think there's going to probably be another four teams that are fighting for those last two spots. Um, but it sounds like, especially in the Big Ten, I think it's going to sort itself out because all these uh, high-ranking teams yeah, have to play, play each other. other. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's very segues, exciting and interesting to see. That segues nicely into a team that's probably not going to get in now. No. The spoiler makers. Here's the, the upset here. Yep. The spoiler makers go to Iowa City and put a thumping. It wasn't just a fluke uh, look past week. I mean, they 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 beat Iowa pretty that was so- a soundly. That was a yeah. statement. So I think Iowa's got a top 10, top five ranked defense, but an unranked offense, and that's the problem. Oh, yeah. their offense is like they couldn't go up against North Dakota State. Yeah. Seven on seven. I mean, like just when we didn't think the Iowa's offense could hit a new low, it it just went out and, and hit that low. Yeah, it was just a matter of time before the defense couldn't carry them anymore. Right. Um, yeah, and it I just mean happened to be against Purdue, who was on. I, I, I didn't get to watch this game um live, but I've I, I watched um an extended um highlights, and honestly, it was just a lot of three and outs on Iowa. Um, Petrus ended up throwing four interceptions at, by the end of the game, but a yeah, lot of those I, I were kind of, yeah, towards the end trying to make it in. And Purdue's wide receiver had 240 yards receiving. So they yeah, was all over the place. Whatever Purdue did against that defense, I think everyone else that has to play Iowa is going to take notes on it yeah. because that's impressive. So I, I have one one topic that I wanted to bring up that kind of relates back to our conversation the past few weeks about Michigan. Mm-hmm. So Purdue in this win over number two ranked Iowa had they rotated three quarterbacks throughout this whole game, the whole game, and it wasn't it was planned that way. It wasn't an injury. Wow. It wasn't it wasn't anything. They just wanted to rotate their quarterbacks out, and it worked. So yeah. with that being said, like wait, that hold kind on, of, hold what's on. that? Three quarterbacks. Yeah, three. What do they do? Because normally you have a, a quarterback spare pass. They all did everything. Than honestly, run. really. I mean, I mean, I'm sure they all have. I, I don't know all these players like ins and outs, but they were doing everything. Some were running it, some were throwing, mostly throwing, but they were doing it all. Yeah, and I think that was kind of what wow. caught Iowa off guard. So going back to the Michigan thing with a five-star freshman quarterback, when you're playing him, like, yeah, you're burning his year, but that could make a difference. And, and clearly it worked for Purdue. I'm not saying it's going to work for Michigan or, or that's going to be a game changer, but you got to have these guys ready. I mean, I've heard of running back by committee, the quarterback, no, by this was committee. quarterback. And they, <laughs> they kept highlighting it in the whole second half. They kept highlighting it saying how this was strange, but they, they at least admitted to it and said, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to change these guys out. We're going to keep them on their toes. I mean, that might be the new, I mean, there's something that comes along and like innovates college offense every couple of years, you know, well, think like about a it, true yeah. every run, position, every other position, they get swapped out yeah. throughout the game. Yeah. So why not quarterback? I mean, not uh, maybe it's the right decision for some teams. Maybe it's not, it could work. It yeah. could not, but depends yeah, on your, your personnel. So many, you know, pundits will say like, you don't want to switch up the quarterback and messes with the flow. Like sure. that might be overrated. I mean, I think like depends on the player. If your team, if your players can throw the ball 
they can run a, they can run an offense and they each offer like their own unique skill sets. Like there's something to be said for putting that yeah. in throughout the and, game. And if you have a running quarterback, like what it typically is, I feel like it's a running quarterback and a pass quarterback. Like that's kind of what you see. But if you have three of them, like they all yeah. obviously can, can kind of do it all. So that's. And the coolest part was that they were all like happy for each other. It didn't look like, I mean, they were, it's a little different when you're playing the number two ranked team in the country and, and beating them. But they were all like genuinely seemed happy for each other when they came off the field. They're like hugging and high fiving and and yeah, yeah. It, it's it looked pretty cool. I mean, I know that's, that you yeah, can give a defense fits too if you line one of those quarterbacks up out like as a receiver. That's like, yeah. well, who knows what could happen, you know? And if they if they got wheels, you know, like because I'll be able to line Jalen Hurts up wide, and it's like, well, you have you have no idea what's gonna happen because that guy could run too. I mean, sure. so. Yeah. That's yeah, that's, awesome. that's interesting. Yeah, because I obviously I know O'Connell kind of took over for Jake the Snake, uh Plummer. Yeah, and, so that uh, and that's how I realized it first because Plummer and, and O'Connell were both kind of like in and I was like, yeah. what, what's going on? Maybe one got hurt, but then they actually touched on it. The I don't remember who was doing the game, but they commented on it that no, they've got a three man quarterback. Yeah, team. I'm surprised. I didn't. I mean, I obviously, I guess I know those two. I, I didn't know that. I, I don't know guy. the name of the third. Yeah, but they had three of them. All I know is that makes the Spartans trip to West Lafayette after Michigan look way worse than I thought it was going to be. It's kind of like you're looking at like, okay, you know, you know, if the Spartans go nine and three, lose to you know Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, that's fine. Purdue's they ranked the, now. They're the other two teams are Purdue and in Maryland, and you know, I was like, okay, Purdue hasn't really been that great, but well, <laughs> guess that, uh, that changes now. Um, yeah. Uh, very disappointing for Iowa fans. I'm sure we're actually going to have an Iowa fan on the pod uh, next week. Well, uh, interesting to see what his uh, thoughts are on this. They're probably not going to be very positive, but <laughs> no. So um, it's Plummer, O'Connell, and Burton, Austin Burton. Burton. Just to just to throw a little respect on his name. Well, respect. <laughs> Thank I you. I love it, man. Well, I'm definitely going to have to watch some Purdue football. I haven't admittedly not watched them much. Um, well, you're not going to be the you know the the top. You're not going to be quarterback you with only Ooh. one quarterback playing. That is Ooh. true. Those spoiler true. makers are known for having quarterbacks. Interesting. Um, all right. Another game here. Another upset. Uh, LSU beat Florida and took money out of Mike's pocket directly. A lot of money. Significant amount. And of then money. the shocker of it all is Coach O is out. Yeah, Coach that's o what's is, crazy. Is getting immediately Ridiculous. on Tinder and just move, moving on from football for now. Um, yeah. That's crazy. I, I, Tyrion Davis, Davis Price, I just want to say um, I, I don't like you. I don't like you and what you did to my bank account. I don't even like it a little bit. Just, I mean, <laughs> I, I get you're doing it for Coach O, but like that guy <laughs> stinks. Um, I, I hate to trash talk coach O, but like after reading that athletic article today, did you guys see that? Have you seen that? Have you heard about that? No. Yeah. Coach O was just bringing girlfriends to practice. And if they had kids, he was letting the kids like do drills. So like, imagine that, like you're trying to get ready for like Auburn and little Timmy, 10 year old Timmy is like hitting the tackling dummy, dummy in front of you. I'd it's, drop him. Yeah. Right. Tim right. He's getting laid out. Yeah. The article pretty much centered around the fact that once Ordron got his money, 
um, his priorities kind of shifted a little bit away from football to personal things. I still don't think necessarily that's the reason why he got fired. He got fired because they stink. Um, But yeah, huge opening. Now you got uh, uh, coach. O was (laughs) the second highest paid um, coach in college football. So they obviously have the funds uh, to, to bring, um, who they want there. And uh, it'll be interesting to see who fills these huge uh, coaching vacancies in USC and LSU, both probably a top five. Hope they bring somebody in from UCLA. <laughs> Chip. If it, if it is because he stinks though, I mean, he went undefeated and won a national championship two years ago. Like that's Correct. kind of, yeah, it's very you're LSU, recent. like have a little bit of patience. Like, come on. But they've looked horrible and arguably the second best no, division you know was, in college football. No, you know what was in the athletic article? They said that he hit on the pregnant wife of someone on LSU's board of directors. And she said, I'm married and, I, and I'm pregnant. And he's like, so Why does that matter? Was his reaction. And I think that that is the reason Mike, why he who was canned. the coach prior to that. Well, I for mean, years and years and years. And when what happened to him? Well, yeah, well, but the Mad Hatter. I, I don't I think they have a pretty Are you talking high about Nick threshold. Saban. Um, no, they, the Mad Hatter. Yeah. Less miles. They had a, they have a pretty high threshold or threshold for a scumbag. Threshold? But, yeah, <laughs> sure. Mm. Um, so I, I, I don't know. Yes, I'm sure this article is juicy. I have a feeling that if this team was winning, I don't think they would care. I think high, it was speaking of high thresholds, they stick. Urban Meyer in a Friday night in Cincinnati. Boom. So I did there. Boom. Um, okay. A couple other quick upsets here. We had Auburn uh, beat Arkansas. Uh, Bo Nix finally looked good on the road. Blew him out. Wasn't even close. Um, Baylor destroyed Baylor. Baylor destroyed BYU. Excuse me. Um, slide for the Mormons continue. I know they're really injured. It's kind of a tough situation for them, but they're kind of still at least putting their names out there for all these, uh, you know, prospects once they do move into uh, the Big Twelve, uh, which will be really big for them to kind of yeah. Be interesting help them to see how they recruit when they say, "Oh yeah, by the way, you gotta go on a mission trip for five years, and then uh, we'll get you a starting wide receiving job." Yeah, it'll be uh, interesting. I don't know that it's necessary, though. Uh, I don't think it's required. I know a lot of um, a lot of recruits go there because it is highly sponsored by. Uh, the Church of Jesus Christ for Latter-day Saints, but um, I don't think it's an absolute like you have to do it um, if you go there. I think it's just a lot of people find value in it. Could you imagine going on that mission trip and you come back and now, you know, BYU's in the Big 12, maybe getting some some better players and you just, you know, leave a girlfriend behind and you come back and well, girlfriend is now married to an NFL football <laughs> player and uh, yep, that's it for you, pal. And she's drinking pop. She's drinking soda now. Caffeine. It, uh, yeah. She, caf- she caffeine has changed. Is, it's actually interesting. So my, my boss um, is a huge BYU fan. Uh, he's a Mormon, born and raised in Utah, uh, went to BYU. And it was always interesting, big football fan, to hear him talk about um, 
just the recruiting classes and how they have to take into account uh, these players being gone for these two-year missions, um, a lot of them, and whether they do that to begin with or they do that middle of the way and just how they try to stagger some of these uh, trips. Do you have to do it no matter what if you go to BYU? I don't think so. I really don't. I I, I just did, um, for work reasons, um, some... Uh, research into this school and I, it's not required i think again like if you're picking schools a lot of people that go to byu pick it because you're mormon and you you want to be a part of that experience but i don't think it is necessary hmm. which is interesting hmm. um and then the other upset is another pac-12 uh asu uh went to utah which is utah is probably one of only two maybe three um real hostile environments in the pac-12 and uh they unfortunately lost and are kind of losing their their grip on the Pac-12 South. And ultimately, this really now, they were the only other one-loss team in the Pac-12 um, beside Oregon. And now it's really Oregon's probably the only one that has a real shot at the playoff. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they still have to – they had a shaky game against Cal. They still have to get through the rest of their schedule too. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we will see. And then just uh, hit on, since we've been talking about all this gambling, again, don't forget, send us your bets, please. We need help. Mike really needed your help this weekend. I had a a decent weekend uh, betting-wise, but please, even if you aren't going to place the bet yourself, but you feel really confident about something, let us know. I tell you what, though, there's there's nothing quite... I, I gotta say, some of the... I don't know what is happening to me in the morning, but like the past two weeks, I have been just i've gotten shelled in the noon games and then you know (laughs) when you put so many bets out there like there's all kinds of opportunities for crazy things to happen then somehow i wake up in the morning and things are okay you know not so bad i don't i don't know what happens in those late games but uh shout out nevada i will say that and uh shout out uh utsa those guys have been a lock for me but now they're ranked so they'll probably you know screw that up somehow but we're going to ride with the Roadrunners. Meet me. All right. You heard it here. All right, guys. Why don't we transition to the games we're looking forward to this weekend in addition to the George Jewett Trophy, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Um, so what yeah. games are interesting, you guys? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I uh, am quite looking forward to Clemson at Pitt. It's a bit of a uh, role reversal because normally Pitt is the one playing spoiler for Clemson. Um Pickett, though, I mean, that guy seems like the real deal. So uh, that's going to be an interesting game. Uh, we'll see what can happen there. It's at Pitt, n- you know, notoriously hostile environment at Heinz Field uh, on Sundays anyways. Uh, and then they have about, you know, a dozen or, or so fans that show up on Saturdays. Yeah, not so much uh, on so, Saturdays. Yeah, so that should be uh, – I'm, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to cheer for the Panthers. You know, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, Pitt um, – you know, it, it'll be an interesting game no matter what. Uh, but then really, I mean, the other games I'm excited for, uh, two unranked home teams are favored against top 10 teams. So number 10, Oregon goes to UCLA and UCLA is favored by two and a half. And then number eight, Oklahoma state, who we were talking about earlier, Mike Gundy and his Tennessee waterfall are heading to Iowa state and Iowa state's favored by a touchdown and extra point incredible i i was shocked when i saw that line yeah that's that's something to keep an eye out for because again a lot of people aren't sure on oklahoma state and i guess they don't believe in texas either 
Um, but yeah, again, now it's Iowa State playing spoiler. I don't know what situation they are in, if they can well, uh, make a run or not. But hey, Bruce Hall ain't heard no bell. I mean, oh, he no. had a hell of a week this past week. So, I mean, he's still playing hard. So we'll see what happens here. But I was just, that line really surprised me. Uh, but it'll be a good matchup. Oklahoma State's defense, I can't believe I'm saying it, against Iowa State's, you know, and Brees Hall. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, definitely. Joe, what do you think? I've got a sleeper that I'm, I'm interested in, and, and it's kind of for a little bit for the kind of the media look at it, but LSU Ole Miss. Uh, like LSU that. coming off the Florida win, coming off the news about Coach O. Ole Miss, I, I mean, I think EJ and I are both on kind of corral watch for the lions see what he looks like so i don't know i, mean, I think that's one that I'm, I'm interested to see i think we'll miss a win but i think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out well Where, where's that game at this one's at it's in oxford okay what is lsu gonna do now that uh coach O's officially gone too that's interesting they're gonna, yeah they're I, I don't know i mean I, I just saw something on on twitter that there's some early candidates but uh yeah, is this Lane no, I mean, Kiffin? One of them was Lane Kiffin. Yeah, yeah, to put his name in the uh, hat because they can pay him a lot more in Baton Rouge than they can in Oxford. And if those kids are, you know, I mean, obviously, I think the part of the reason why they they knocked out Florida is that they wanted to make a statement for Coach O. But like, I mean, you know, it's easy to say win one for the Gipper, you know, when when Coach O's out the door. So I mean, that's gonna be an interesting game. But I mean, if you thought LSU Florida was his shootout. Then I mean this, you know, Matt Corral and Lane Kiffin they'll they'll have the he'll have the Rebs ready to play. So and that's a three thirty game on Saturday. Okay, that's a great three thirty game. Great. Then we have USC at Notre Dame. That is a rivalry game for the jeweled shillelagh. So that's a future episode alert here. Uh, it's a it's a it's a wonderful rivalry. The trophy itself is very unique and very expensive. So uh, I recommend you at least take a look at it at the. Uh, the end of the game if you don't want to watch the entire game but yeah i love interesting. that rivalry. cross-country rivalry i used to yeah. it's like the like the reggie bush like yeah where they like hell yeah they pushed him into the end zone from behind like that, <laughs> that one brings back some memories this hell yeah non-heisman winner reggie bush yeah yeah <laughs> we can't we can't endorse that here yeah give reggie uh, his trophy back damn it yeah and if anyone's a big mac fan you gotta watch Action, some Mac action. My alma mater, CMU, taking on Northern Illinois. So, oh, there you I mean, go. That, Northern Illinois, I think, is four and zero in the conference. CMU's three and one. So, big game in Mount Pleasant, Michigan, this weekend. Are you going? Oh yeah. No, I was up there this last weekend, so had a okay. hell of a time. I saw uh, those pictures. Yeah, dude. Mount Pleasant, Michigan. I've never heaven been. On heaven on never. earth. Heaven on earth. If you went to Central. <laughs> Probably not a lot, whole lot else to do if you didn't go to Central. If yeah, you don't you got have memories to relive. Um, yeah, you probably don't need to go, but that'll be a good game. What yeah, if I... you got Rocky uh, Lombardi playing for the the Huskies there, right? Uh, yeah. Has Has Central played Western yet? Because Western's obviously no. I don't think we played Western yet. Um, but yeah, we got Jim McElwain, head coach, came over from from Michigan after he was there for a little while, and yeah, I've got a redshirt freshman at. Uh, running back NQB, I think there's only one senior on the whole offensive uh, squad. So, oh, wow, young team. Uh, yeah, the future's bright for the Chippewas. So, so Adam, as a uh, as a Central Michigan alum, there's a a video 
a video that I remember, like right whenever um, like bowl announcements and stuff like that started to go viral. Yeah. I don't know if, if you remember this, but there's a video of the uh, the locker room, like they're they're big, they're, not the locker room, they're like big meeting room, and they're yeah. announcing Central Michigan's bowl, and they're yeah. like, there's a, a bunch. Of, do you remember this? I don't, I don't know. There's like ten of them up on the screen, and the Jeopardy music's playing, and they start taking away like one here and there, and the last two are the Hawaii Bowl oh, and yeah. like the Tire Bowl, like the yeah. in Detroit, right? Oh, I think it was like the the Little Caesars Pizza Pizza Bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was it was ter- it, it was in Detroit and yeah. Hawaii, and then the screen cuts to black, and the room goes dark, and the players are all yelling, and then you hear. Um, Kokomo by the Beach Boys, Aruba, Jamaica, and it's just a whole like highlight of Hawaii, and they just freak out that they got the Hawaii Bowl. So that's so great. Yeah, they're lucky because I wouldn't be surprised just regionally if they're like, oh yeah, just put them in Detroit. That'll be a easy thing logistically, (laughs) right? Well, I think the MAC championships always in Detroit. So if you can if you can elevate beyond uh, and and qualify for something higher, I think. Uh, you get to go somewhere cool. Oh, sorry, the Bahamas Bowl. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to find that. That was 2014 Bahamas Bowl. Got I'm gonna it. try to find that the announcement there. Uh, um, the who who won? That was uh, that was you guys against the Hilltoppers. Who won? All right, I'm gonna try to find that video and let's okay. let's see just for posterity. Oh, a close. Oh, the Chippewas lost in a heartbreaker, 49 to 48. Oh, but wow. they still got to go to the Bahamas as opposed to, uh, opposed <laughs> Detroit. to Detroit. So yeah. driving to Detroit. Yeah, they enjoyed themselves. <laughs> Papa um, has Bahamas Bowl. Papa has sponsors that one. See, that also sucks too, because if you get a really good sponsor, you get like free stuff, right? So what's Popeye's giving you? Like if you go to like the Belkin, you know, whatever <laughs> bowl it is, they'll give you some like electronics and stuff. Like you get some pretty sick things. <laughs> Yeah, pop electronics go electronics go out of date like every year. Chick, chicken sandwiches never go out of style. <laughs> never, never go out of style. That's hilarious. Um, all right, guys, why don't we uh talk about the trophy then? Why don't we uh transition into the the meat of this uh, episode here? So today we are talking about the George Jewett trophy. This trophy is given to the winner between the Northwestern Wildcats and the Michigan Wolverines. So let me hit you guys with a couple of fun facts here. So this is the newest trophy in the Big Ten, with this being its inaugural year, which is very interesting. Brand new. Uh, This is also the only rivalry trophy in the Big Ten that is named after a real person, because Paul Bunyan is not a real person. And (laughs) according to a release from the two programs, this is the... uh, this trophy is the first one in um, FBS history to be named after a black player, uh, which I thought was pretty interesting too. I guess there's a couple um, that are named um, in FCS, but not FBS, uh, which is uh, interesting. Very cool. Yeah. All right, guys. So uh, why don't you guys scroll a little bit here and give me uh, the first impressions of uh, the trophy. Um, I wasn't able to, paste the picture in it so i had to put a link oh we oh we gotta click a link i'm sorry I, it wouldn't let me do it. oh you a bit. why would you do this why would you do this there mike why don't you just describe not live on air not rick Astor. <laughs> <on air. laughs> 
Listen, guys, like 2015 called, uh, I rickrolled them. I yeah. cannot believe this. I can't. Believe, now, now I got to watch the whole thing. I just I can't turn it off. Those ginger um, locks. Oh, we, we got at least. Yeah, what hair can, he you had? You can kind of faintly hear it. Uh, so the reason I rickrolled you guys is because no one knows what this trophy looks like yet. Uh, it's actually going to oh, be really? a surprise, okay. uh, and they're going to um, display it uh, for the first time when the game happens. What am I looking at? On, on Are you sure? Yeah, because I, I saw the little banner things. Yeah, with with his face in in like an old school looking thing. But um, from all the reports that I saw, that the trophy hadn't been um, shown yet, and then players and coaches were excited to. Oh, uh, so it's just a mock up that we got here to see what it looks like. Huh. He's a good least, looking guy, unless, George Stewart. I will say though, I this research is as of what's today, Monday, of last was seven hours Thursday? ago. Okay, oh, so there out. could be okay. I was gonna say there could be updates. Yeah, I think it. I think I, I think I just posted it in there too. I think it's looking pretty dope. There you go. Oh it, well, if holy, it, wow. Like okay. Grass. He looks. Why don't you guys describe it then? I mean, oh, all right. So, um, you know, George Stewart is standing prominently at the top of the trophy. There's a bag behind him, looks like a doctor bag almost. Um, and he is wearing like the old time, you know, football bottom, like he has on, you know, cleats and, uh, you know, his football pads, his pants. But then the top, he looks extremely stately. He has Colonial. like a, uh, yeah, like a nice like vest on and then, uh, killer jacket like that's that's a nice looking jacket right there yeah you know, there's certain jackets that that i really enjoy like uh blade runner 2049 is a good jacket uh drive basically anything ryan gosling's in is a good jacket that i want to own but george Jewett's <laughs> jacket looks fantastic here he's got some books in his left hand what else yeah. do we know about george Jewett? anything oh i will fill you in on who so for, Jewett was. for the looks, this says it's 36 inches tall. The actual base can pivot dependent on upon which team wins the trophy. Get out for the games. Cool. You will, you will. Well, this says before the games, uh, this side will be seen, whichever team won it last year. So he'll be Get facing out. the team that won, and it does turn. Yeah, that's awesome. That's that's, that's really very cool. cool. I know, like, obviously, you guys said that this happened today. I guess that makes sense that they introduced it this week. Um, Seven yeah, prior to this, ago, yeah. yeah, we did not know what it would look like. And oh, yeah, this looks awesome. Well, uh, what's well, up well, the base? how the trophy tables turn. So it looks like we have the school logos on both, uh, like the front and the back. And then sure, that's how you turn it to, to the logo. That's one. Yeah. And then what's on the sides? Can we make it out? I think it's just got details on George Jewett. His okay. Birth. And death year and some details. So his in his look, it says in terms of the actual person, it's a football uniform from the 1890s that we were able to find a picture, as well as a lab coat that goes over top with books, a football, and a medical kit. Very cool. Oh, because it does say on the one side it says scholar and athlete. Yeah, it says it has all of what basically incorporates what he did in his life. EJ, what did he do in his life? Yes, this is actually very cool because I was going to play a game with you guys um, later was what do you think it should look like based on what 
um, information I gave you about his life. And I don't want to spoil it for you, but I think they got it right. Um, I, I think they definitely got it right. Um, okay, so why don't we uh, get into the history of the rivalry, and then I'll talk, uh, tell you a little bit about George Jude himself and why the trophy um, looks the way it does. So the first matchup between these two schools was in 1892, uh, in which Northwestern won 10 to 6. Uh, and then, uh, unfortunately, like a lot of these, it's actually kind of surprising. I feel like a lot of the teams that uh, historically haven't been, done good in the series usually win the first couple matchups. Um, but Michigan won the next three. And then ultimately, the overall series between the two schools, Michigan leads uh, 58 wins to 15 losses to two ties. Uh, so it is uh, obviously very dominant series. Well, uh, not surprising. Someone right. Um, yes, but you'll be surprised. There actually are some very uh, interesting games uh, over the history, uh, over the years between these two schools that I was not aware of, um, which is kind of cool. But so typically this next segment, I kind of tell you guys what life was like when this trophy was created. Um, however, since this trophy is being created in 2021 and we are currently here, I think you guys are very well aware of what life is like now so i thought we'd do something a little different so why don't we guys why don't we play a game that i'm going to call either or so i'm going to show you guys a, a series of pictures and you tell me which one you like better all right let's do it just a couple all right so the first ones if you guys want to scroll down so yeah. number one would you choose either all grape jerseys or all maize jerseys all grape when all maize well yeah, I mean, yeah, always. So I'm not a big fan of purple. This, I am not a it's big regal. fan of purple. It's a color of royalty. It is. I'm not royal. I yeah. really don't like the all maze, but the quarterback in this picture has the blue like Under Armour under it, and I think that yeah. makes it look better. Oh yeah, that does look better. Yeah, you're right versus about that. Just, who is that? I don't know um, who that is. Uh, I'm not is that sure. Like John O'Corn or something? Or yeah, or something like yeah. Uh, what was the quarterback like three years ago, right before Brandon Peters? He was the backup to uh oh, shoot. I'm not sure. I actually should have probably looked at that. I'll look it up. All right, so we got we got th three mazes and one grape. Well, I, I do I mean look, I'm not a big purple is the color of royalty, and the, yeah, the okay. white helmets look clean with it, in my opinion. I think with the all maze, it's just a little bit too much yellow. I feel like I'm watching Color Rush, and uh, not that all purple is much better, so I didn't really <laughs> myself any favor than that <laughs> argument there. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It, like, but that oppressive color rush, like the color rush that really you just want to rinse your eyes out. Like, uh, oh gosh, I think it's a John O'Connor. Oh. I, I will say at least this maze, uh, which is a shade of yellow for the listeners that don't know what maze is, um, is not. Our listeners are smart. They, at they least know. it's not like highlighter yellow. It's yeah. you know, at least like more of like a sunflower type yellow. Yep, it's John O'Corn. Oh, right. Johnny. Uh, maze a little, is a uh, word for corn too. So there you go. He's doing uh, like a little rascals kind of, uh, you know, movement there with his, old, his old hand spanky. calling the play. Yeah. yeah. All right, so number two here. Would you choose either Michigan striped jerseys or Northwestern striped jersey? Michigan. These two pictures. Michigan by a mile. If if it was striped anywhere but the shoulder pads, that would look 
terrible, but I also like their big block numbers. That looks really good. Uh, Northwestern striped jerseys, uh, just that that's just, that's atrocious. I mean, Grant, I'm not seeing it on a player. I'm just seeing it here, but, uh, yeah, that looks terrible. So Michigan, not, not a big fan of either really. No, they're both pretty weird. I'm going to go, I'm going to go Northwestern as well. I think it looks like a weird old, like varsity sweater in like a really ugly, but cool. Yeah. It's like, like, an really like, let's make this thing look ridiculous. <laughs> um, yeah, you're, yeah, you're not going to pick up a lot of ladies walking around with that thing on, but it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty interesting and two points for interesting. I, I'm going Northwestern there. The Michigan yeah. Wolverines look like Wolverine though, with those stripes. Yeah, that's I true. That's true. I think Northwestern. Bumblebees. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I actually, I'm not, and that's kind of the point here. I tried to pick two not so great looking jerseys from either school to make it a little harder. Um, I'm not a fan of the Argyle look. Like it's kind of like, you know, we're smarter than you and we know type feel from what Northwestern Argyle, but well, it's like, that's what it reminds me though, is that kind of like Argyle old person looking like, I don't know. Well, to be fair, Northwestern players probably are smarter than most. They don't need to talk about it though. So they don't need to boast it. All right. So the last one here, which player would you want on your team? Either Jim Harbaugh or Pat Fitzgerald. Both are alums of the schools that they, uh, they coach at currently. Patty Fitz. He's looking mean. looking I think, I think Fitzgerald and Harbaugh have on the same size shoulder pads in these pictures. Yeah. Just to show how far quarterback shoulder pads have come. Oh, dude. How do you throw the ball with those on? I don't know. Holy cow. You don't. You only throw it seven yards at a time. (laughs) Yo, Northwestern should bring back these jerseys. That's mean with the N on the shoulder and the wildcat on the end. Oh, that's mean. I like that. Yeah, I like that a lot. I'm going to say, although I will give Jim credit, because like you guys are saying, his shoulder pads are huge, so he didn't throw it a ton. He probably ran it as well. Um, I mean, Fitz Fitzgerald has you know the the cowboy collar on, just lo- looks like a, a middle linebacker from his era. I say um, this: I wouldn't want to tell Pat Fitzgerald that I'm choosing Jim Harbaugh over him. <laughs> yeah. That would not end well for me. Yeah, no, I definitely, uh, definitely think though uh, Harbaugh looked. Uh, I tried to find some pictures work because he doesn't look like what a quarterback looks like nowadays. Like he, he looks no. a little tougher than. <laughs> than the current cream of uh, quarterbacks in the league. So, yeah. Uh, but Fitzgerald looks like he'll like rip your face off. Fitzgerald looks like the guy from uh, the replacements when he sees <laughs> red. <and> he just... <laughs> Danny. Yeah. Get the What's football for me, Danny. Uh, John uh, Favreau. Yeah. The Fav man <laughs> in a great role. Yeah. No, that's, that's exactly, that's exactly right. All right, cool. So it looked like a few more Fitzgerald uh, picks there. Uh, than Harbaugh. Um, very interesting. All right. But that's all I got for you on that segment. I was, I, I was trying to find something different. There were a couple other jerseys, but I like that segment. Bring it back. That's Michigan. That, that's a good one. Request Michigan doesn't a, uh... deviate very often from their jerseys. Cause they're just classics. Um, and Northwestern has some like child looking jerseys. So those were, that was the, that was the best that I could do. I tried to, I, I was going to do um, fight songs. 
but that those are like heavily copyrighted. And I kind of want this episode to stay on the various platforms. Um, so, cause all, all these fight songs from these schools are pretty silly. If you look at the lyrics and the names for them, uh, which is interesting, but well, I mean, they were, I mean, man, when they were made, yeah. Old, old, old. Okay, so why don't we pivot back to the origins of this trophy? Um, so on February 25th uh, of this year, 2021, uh, the University of Michigan and Northwestern announced that they would be creating a rivalry trophy starting this year, named after George Jewett, who was the first African American to play football at each institution. Um, and actually the first black player in the history of the Big Ten Conference. Really? Which was very, yeah, which was very cool. Um, so this trophy, like I had mentioned, marks the, the first rivalry uh, game trophy named for an African-American player in um, FBS history. Um, and that's a, that's a picture of, of George there um, that, I, that I put in the notes. Good looking guy. Yes. Good looking guy, George Hewitt, you know? Nose is also very straight, which I feel like when you play football back in that day, your nose would get massacred. But like he has a he has a very, very good like he doesn't look like a guy who played football at a time where I feel like your face would get busted up all the time. If yeah, anything, like he, he looks like he'd be like uh, too pretty, too pretty to play football, but no I, cages. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. All right. So let me give you guys some information on George Jewett, which will probably shed some light on on why the trophy looks like it does. Uh, So Jewett was a valedictorian and a star athlete at Ann Arbor High School, which is now uh, Ann Arbor Pioneer. And for people that aren't familiar, uh, Pioneer literally shares a parking lot with with the big house. Uh, So it's about as close as you can get to um, being at Michigan University without being at Michigan University. And he participated in track, football, and baseball. Um, so he played for Michigan during the 1890 and 1892 seasons, uh, as a fullback and a halfback. Um, but he also was the team's main kicker all while studying medicine, all while also playing baseball and basketball. Holy cow. Yes. So he was a Jack of all trades. Um, so in 1893, he transferred to Northwestern to finish his medical degree and he played two seasons for the Wildcats after that. Yes, um, definitely. And then after college, he became a doctor in Chicago uh, before returning to Ann Arbor, where he had several businesses. And again, putting this all in perspective, especially with the time period, is such a major achievement, especially for an African-American man during those times to be able to accomplish all of this is just outstanding. Um, And he actually... Hold on a second. He... Hold on. He, wait a second, 1870 to 1908. So he had a relatively, he died relatively, I mean, I guess maybe not for the times, but this guy played three sports, excelled at all of them. Well, I don't know about baseball and basketball, but if you're the starting like fullback and the kicker, like you're doing pretty good at football. He became a doctor. He went to Chicago, came back to Ann Arbor, opened a bunch of businesses, did all of that. In what, 1970 to or 1870 to 1908? 38 years. 38. Yeah. 38 years he did all that. So he also coached briefly at both Michigan Agricultural College. Out of here. Which turned into Michigan State. The Fawns. Yes, the the Fawns Fawns and the Staters um, and Olivet College. 
Um, but unfortunately, he died suddenly in 1908 at the age of 38. So yes, he he unfortunately um, did not live a long life, but he did a lot <laughs> in the life that he had. Holy cow! Imagine if this guy was around at the, at the start of World War One. He probably would have ended it by himself after the first week. Holy yeah. cow! Ridiculous. And I found, I, the, I found the picture where like his the headshot you've got like the yes. larger picture that that's sourced from he's the only one that doesn't look like a complete and utter tool in that photo. <laughs> <laughs> he's like get me out of here these jackasses are like laying all over he does oh my gosh i just pulled it up yeah they're laying <laughs> they're like lounging on each other like it's in like some like i don't even know some cigar lounge it's like a bunch of guys like laying all over each other and he's like damn get me out of here bro i have it i have like a dissertation to write and businesses to start like get out of here it's a very funny photo (laughs) some nice mustaches in this photo too they do look like a bunch of schlubs compared to him though yeah it's like get me get me out of this group wow also something that i thought was pretty cool um there's, believe it or not, uh, a connection between uh, Jewett and uh, coach Jim Harbaugh, um, which I thought was pretty interesting. So uh, Michigan's coach, Jim Harbaugh, was interviewed earlier this year about the trophy, and he said he remembers Jewett's grandson, uh, whose name was Coleman, was an assistant principal at Tappan Middle School in Ann Arbor uh, when Harbaugh was a student. Uh, so uh, Coleman Jewett, who unfortunately passed away in uh, 2013, apparently once told Harbaugh, when Harbaugh was struggling in Spanish class, that great athletes who struggle in school become hometown heroes because they don't have the grades to become more. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that, that's what this grandson of George Jewett uh, said to, uh, to, to Harbaugh, uh, which I thought was uh, crazy. Um, but Harbaugh said of the trophy itself, he said, uh, uh, George drew it to, to have this game, this trophy. I think it's a tremendous addition for his legacy, for the family's legacy, and also for the Big Ten, for college football, for Michigan, for Northwestern, for everybody. I'm extremely excited about it. Can't wait to see what the trophy looks like. So that's what uh, Jim had to say earlier in the year when they, uh, they made this announcement. Yeah, that's a cool trophy. Yeah. So now, and that's what I was going to have you guys at, like, based on that, what do you think it should look like? And now that we, you know, they announced it today and, and showed it, I, I think it, I think they really hit the the nail on the head there. I think they did a really good job. Um, it looks pretty, it looks really cool. Yeah. He looks like he, uh, he knows he deserves that spot. And he's, <laughs> I, I like that they've kind of incorporated both his uh, medical and football accolades into that trophy it's really cool yeah i agree i I think it'll be interesting to see what what i'm always curious to see how big these trophies are um it's hard to tell from these photos but uh would you say it was 36 inches tall yeah 36 inches but then does that mean there's a base is there no base is it like the paul bunyan we didn't even know they had a base i don't know so yeah that's um, true but yeah 36 i mean it's decent size i think it'll be cool to hoist up after whoever wins it and and you can turn the it's it's very cool that you can turn the the figure on it to that face whatever is, team one. That is super awesome. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of uh, a similar uh style to like the Paul Bunyan when the team gets to put the helmet on on Paul on Paulie B. And it's just, you know, you can kind of make it your own 
um, which is hard to do with a lot of these trophies, um, which is cool. All right. So the last thing I got for you guys here is uh, some noteworthy games in the series. Now, I just want to caveat this up front. Obviously, it's a very one-sided event. So any noteworthy games are typically when Northwestern has beat Michigan. This is not my bias, I promise. Um, unfortunately, any noteworthy games that Michigan beats Northwestern, it's like 100 to nothing. So um, <laughs> these are just a few of these uh, matchups. And, and what I took away from this was I didn't realize how many ranked matchups these schools have had between each other. Um, obviously, you know, Michigan's been ranked numerous times, but I didn't expect Northwestern to be ranked as many times um, in the series as, as they were. So, uh, so let's start off here. The Wildcats won six of the first 13 games uh, before Michigan began to dominate the series. So the two programs were co-champions of the Big Ten during the 1926, 1930, and 1931 seasons, uh, which I thought was kind of interesting. So in 1925, Northwestern halted Michigan's march to the national championship with a barn burner three to two victory on a muddy <laughs> surface at Soldier Field, um, which is also crazy to think that Soldier Field has been around since 1925. Right. Um, so the three points scored by Northwestern were the only points allowed by the 1925 Michigan team. And uh, that coach that we've talked about a couple of times here, Fielding Yost, called uh called that northwestern team the greatest football team i ever saw in action so that's what that's what wow uh, that's that's some high praise high praise indeed now that guy also was a pretty big sore loser so i don't know if it was just <laughs> he lost yeah, the one game and was like, yeah, you want the team that you lose to, to be the best right yeah exactly um but that was pretty interesting too uh so in 1948 the schools met in a top five matchup with Michigan ranked number four and Northwestern ranked number three. And in that game, uh, Michigan forced four turnovers and won it 28 to nothing. And uh, that jumped Michigan to the uh, to number one overall. And that was en route to a national championship for Michigan in 1948. Uh, so that was pretty crazy. I'd never thought Northwestern would be ranked in the top five, um, which was pretty cool. And then the Wildcats uh, kind of returned to prominence under head coach, and I'm going to absolutely butcher this name, Ara Parsegian. Parsegian, yeah. Uh, defeating... He was the coach at uh, Notre Dame. Okay. Uh, so they returned to prominence under him. Uh, they defeated the Wolverines in consecutive games, 1958 and 1959. And then following uh, Parsegian's departure, Michigan won 19 consecutive games. Uh, between the two, Parsegian's the guy that uh, didn't want to play Rudy. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. There you go. No idea. Yeah. Well, there you go. So he was a really good coach, and then as soon as he left, maybe to Notre Dame. Um, at that point, yeah, he, uh, he Michigan... did go to Notre Dame after, after Northwestern. <laughs> Just short trip. Yeah. You know. There you go. Uh, so clearly Michigan then took advantage of, <laughs> of that situation. Uh, and the last thing I got for you guys in 1995, number 25, Northwestern scored 10 unanswered points in the fourth quarter to shock number six, Michigan, 19 to 13. Uh, the Wildcats took advantage of four Michigan, uh, turnovers and Pat Fitzgerald led Northwestern with 14 tackles, including two tackles for a loss. Uh, and that was the first time Northwestern won uh, or beat Michigan in 30 years. And it was the first win in, in Ann Arbor since 1959. 
Uh, and this upset uh, sprung Northwestern on a path to a 10 to two season, reaching as high as number three in the rankings. Um, and this was the Wildcats' first um, Big Ten Conference title since 1936. And they were invited to play in the Rolls Bowl for the first time since 1948, in which they lost. But yeah, I feel about that, boys. A lot of history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll say this of all the, the now nine other trophies that we've done, the fact that I was able to find any notable games is more than like half of the trophy games that we've talked about. And I just never expected it to be to be between Northwestern and Michigan. Um, I feel like Northwestern's always, I mean, obviously back then in the fifties and even before that is different, but I feel like Northwestern's one of those sneaky teams that always kind of sneaks into the rankings and then surprises people that they're even ranked. So kind of yeah, like, uh, who were we talking about earlier that just snuck in? Uh, was it Purdue? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, they're not a pushover team. They're always going to put up a fight. Yeah, I've I've been to one uh, one Michigan Northwestern game at Ryan Field. It was pretty cool. cool oh yeah, how is that? Cool surroundings. Heard, yeah, as I say, it's right off the water, isn't it? Yeah, right in Evanston, north of Chicago. It's like yeah. beautiful little town. Um, got a, like an Ivy League feel to it. It's really it's really kind of a, a cool place to watch a game. That was with uh, Denard Robert Denard Robinson at. Uh, quarterback so it was a lot of of sneaks that game just like running all over the field nice yeah yeah i've I've heard that that's a um a pretty cool place to catch a game obviously you're not going to get much of an environment but i heard it's a a very like you said very cool location and a a lot of michigan fans there living in chicago (laughs) packing up one whole quarter of the of the of the stand but yeah it's a cool place to watch a game Okay, uh, so that's gonna do it for us, guys. Um, so why don't we why don't we rank this trophy now that we can uh, rank it? Uh, now that we've seen the picture of it. So uh, for Adam and for the listeners, we rank uh, looks on a scale from one to five, the history uh, on a scale from one to five, uh, the rivalry on a scale from one to five, and then overall um, whether you'd put this in kind of a bottom tier, a middle tier, or a top tier trophy. Um, that we've talked about thus far. So who wants to start? I'll go first. All right. So for the looks, I think I'm going to give it a four. I think it's, it's beautiful. Um, the fact that it swivels and then you can kind of turn it to face whoever won. The one thing that I thought I kind of, I mean, maybe it has it, but we just didn't see it is that you can keep track of tallies on there somehow. Maybe they have it. I'm not sure. Uh, but I think that'd be a good addition to it. So I'm gonna give it a four for looks. History. Uh, I'm also going to give it a four. I think this guy was a badass. Um, did all that stuff before he died at 38. I think that was impressive, crazy impressive. Um, so give that a four for history. The rivalry. I'm going one. Rivalry. It's. I don't know. It's kind of. I don't think when I think rivalry, I don't think Northwestern at all for Michigan. So uh, one. And overall, I'm going to say mid. Hopefully, I'm hoping it, it can become a mid. Uh, maybe low to mid. But hopefully the rivalry rivalry will build up. Um, but I, I kind of see this similar to uh, the broken chair in the significance and the the actual trophy has a lot of meaning to it. So I'll, I'll say low to mid. Hopefully, hopefully becomes a mid. Okay, 
Yeah, I'll go next. I'm gonna I'm gonna be really similar to to Joe there. I'm gonna go four on looks. Uh, I think it looks really solid, um, but nothing over the top. Just kind of a nice, sturdy, solid trophy. Um, history gonna go four as well. Uh, I think that guy deserves his trophy, and uh, I think it's it's a really cool story. The fact that he played at both colleges. Rivalry, I'll go a little bit high. I'll go two just because there's just the proximity. The amount of people living in Illinois from Michigan and, and vice versa, you get a little bit of that, even though the the history of the game might not be super competitive. And yeah, I'll give it like a, a middle tier overall. Okay. Mike. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Um I'm gonna go with you guys. I, I think it's uh it's a four for the looks. I really a lot of things you got the swivel factor like that's really big for me the fact that you can turn that that's yeah. cool and also he he looks great like he looks very stately on there um history uh, i'm gonna give it a five because man like this guy just what what an incredible incredible individual like that is really gives you something to shoot for you know yeah. <laughs> in your life so 38's coming I, quick yeah, yeah i know i gotta open a couple businesses get my doctorate no big deal um, rivalry's a one, you know, not having lived in the Midwest, you know, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know that feel, but I definitely, uh, can see, you know, how it would be, uh, a, a good rivalry given that, you know, the proximity and so many U of M alums there in Chicago. Uh, and then overall, I'm going to just say it's, it's a low, just compare, like when you look at it compared to the other ones, I, I think it's low for me. So. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with a, a, a four for looks, I think based on, um, the history of him uh i think they they really nailed it with what they incorporated i was honestly afraid they were just going to use like a picture of his face and i didn't expect them to actually use like a full um standing figure uh statue looking uh look to it which also makes it very unique because outside of paul bunyan which is obviously like a cartoon character uh, that doesn't exist uh, so I, I think they really nailed it. And again, like the swivel and everything uh, that they incorporated was really cool. I think the history uh, is honestly like a five for me, uh, again, for a lot of the reasons you guys said, and it's just the fact that the, the, the era and his race also has a huge thing to do. True. I mean, it's hard for um, anyone to achieve as much as he did at 38. And that's without factoring in the era and the race and then the other numerous things he had to deal with to get to where he got uh, which is incredible uh the rivalry i think i'm going to go a two kind of like with adam just because there were a lot more while it's not a, a rivalry in the sense of like that like you, you wouldn't say michigan or northwestern are each other's rivals but there were more um close games and interesting games than i thought um so that's why i'll just give it a little bit more of a bump uh, there and then yeah i think i'm with you joe i think it's like a a bottom of the mid-tier for me and i'm hoping um especially with fat, uh, pat fitzgerald being at northwestern that maybe the games become a little bit more competitive um potentially just for the sake since this is a trophy now and they're going to they won't probably play each other every year because they're on other sides of the division but um hopefully uh this game has a little bit more prominence and i really hope that this trophy gets uh recognized nationally and hopefully it doesn't just kind of get lost in the fray um really hope so because it, it looks sharp and it's a great person to uh to to name it after so yeah i'm excited to see fat Fitzgerald too <laughs> yeah 
Hey, you know what? I wouldn't call him that or, or that, Oh, oh we didn't even talk about this guys. You, we have to be on, um, on Northwestern watch here, the sideline watch. Oh, we, we got our boy. Muscles McGee. Oh. Muscles <laughs> McGee, the trainer. I'm not going to lie. I kind of want to see Northwestern win this now just to see him like bench this thing or curl it or something. Bench it. He doesn't need to bench it. He could probably do like he doesn't need to yeah. do anything. Yeah, but he's going to listen. Oh, the, what, what's the temperature going to be like? Because that's also good. Are we are we looking at gloves does and it, a hat? Does it really matter? <laughs> well, I mean, are we going to get the effect of like him? You're not getting gloves? sleeves. I'll tell you that. <laughs> no, sleeves are definitely Quality not happening. with a chance of sleeveless. <laughs> but are we going to get like a stocking cap and gloves to go with that? Maybe. Oh, that would be I awesome. So. I hope Adam, so. you know who we're talking about, right? Yeah. Alex, Alex Spanos. Yeah, this might be the last chance that uh, we talk get to talk about Northwestern. So keep an eye out on him because they're going to pan at least once he'll, he'll get his one. Yeah. He'll be on them. Maybe yeah. it depends how they do. If they're putting right. up points, they'll show him a few times because he'll be pumping the team up. Definitely. Um, all right. So why don't we get to the preview of this game? So it's the unranked uh, Northwestern Wildcats traveling to uh, where's Michigan ranked now? number seven, six. six? Okay. Six, six, um, six, six. Uh, to the Wolverines. They're, they're undefeated. It's in Ann Arbor at Michigan stadium, which is also nicknamed the big house. Uh, so I have a couple questions for you guys here. Do you guys know what the latest capacity mm. for the big house is as of 2021? Not me. <laughs> throw, <laughs> throw a guess. Not on the nose. Uh, actually, I was going to say, Mike, why don't you go first? Cause you guys probably are going to be at least more in the ballpark. Uh, yeah. I mean like one Oh five is what I was going to say. Okay. One Oh five. Joe, what do you think? I think it was like one eleven or one ten, something like that. Last I heard. Okay. Adam. I'll go, I'll go one eleven five hundred. I'll go all the over. <laughs> Ooh, there you go. Yeah. All right. So according to a website, and again, I, I realize that this is just the official capacity. You could probably cram more if you, you try. It was at 1,000, um, a hundred and seven thousand six hundred and one. Close so to that. I thought, it, I thought it was higher than that before. So they might have packed more people in it, but their official capacity is that. So where do you guys think that ranks in the world? In the world? Yeah. In the world. Is it like fifth or something like that? Okay. Mike, what do you think? No, no. Like, wait, of any stadium? Any stadium in the world. Uh, for official capacity or? Yes. I mean, I, I don't know. I was going to say it's not even close at the top, but I feel like I've seen some crazy numbers. But that, I, yeah, I, I don't think it's close to the top. But Joe. I'll say top 10. It is top 10. So <laughs> it ranks third in the what? world. Wow. So here's the list starting at 10 Bryant Denny Stadium. That is the home of. The Crimson Tide at a hundred. That's why I think it's so low. I just you know, I'm so used to the to the tide. What is what is it hold? Attendees. So uh, Bryant Kenny holds a hundred thousand seventy-seven. Uh, so the next number nine. Wait, wait, is, uh, wait. That's uh, lower one, than what you just said. One hundred seventy-seven thousand or, or one hundred thousand seventy-seven. Didn't you say Michigan was one hundred five? One hundred and seven thousand. So it's yeah, a Michigan's one hundred and seven. Alabama's a hundred. Hundred. Yes. Wait, oh, you said no. Oh, Brian Day is number 10. Yes. Yeah. Okay. They're oh, 10. I thought you said they were one. 
no, no. I sorry, thought you sorry. said they were one. I'm starting. Two. I'm starting at ten. Okay. I'm going up to gotcha. one. Okay. So number like, number nine is Daryl K. Royal Texas Memorial Stadium. So that's where the Longhorns play. That's one hundred thousand one nineteen. So it's just barely over uh, Alabama. Uh, number eight is Tiger Stadium LSU. That's one hundred and two thousand three hundred and twenty one. Number seven is Neyland Stadium, which is where the Volunteers play in Tennessee. And That's throw 100- golf balls. Oh, yes, oh, we didn't talk about this. Balls. Did oh, you yeah, see Lane Kiffin after the game? He's walking out of the stadium. Someone threw a spitter at him as he was walking out no, of the it's stadium. A spittoon. <laughs> spitter, spittoon, either way. And he, Odell's that bitch, just one hands it leans back and grabs and puts it around the ground. It was incredible. He is flanked by two state troopers and they both ducked and he just Odell's that bitch. Yeah, not, not oh, where did Odell go to school? Wait, what? Where did Odell go to school? Uh L- LSU, right? No. Where's Link yeah. Kiffin going? Oh <laughs> there it is. You heard it here oh. first, guys. Um so Neyland Stadium has 102,455 uh, people. Uh, so number six is Kyle Field. So that's AM. And that is 102,733. So a lot of these are grouped pretty close. Um, Ohio Stadium is number five. Uh, the, the horseshoe, that's 102,780. Uh, and then you have a jump here. So then number four, uh, and I feel like M- Michigan and Beaver Stadium at Penn State, Happy Valley, are always pretty close to each other and almost like competing. They're always like adding spot. like a few more handicap accessible seats or exactly. something. Exactly. Like I think that. the handicap ones take away though. I think that's the oh, opposite. that's what it is. Yeah. yeah, I think the handicap seats take away more space than you you lose some of the capacity. Yeah. yeah. Um. So Beaver Stadium uh, was at one hundred six thousand. 572. Uh, like I said, Michigan Stadium was 107,601. Uh, and then the top two is Sardar Patel Stadium. That's in India. So they have 110,000. Uh, and it's uh, a well known cricket stadium. So it's the largest hmm. uh, cricket stadium. Uh, yeah. Uh, so it's very big. Uh, I believe that's where their national um, team plays as well uh, cricket. And then the number one here, surpriser, is Rungrado May Day Stadium, uh, which is in North Korea. Oh. So it's being used a lot. Allegedly. And they claim it holds 150,000. Yeah. But outside of their state run media, uh, other people have confirmed it to be closer to 114,000. Look at the picture. It doesn't, I mean, <laughs> There's a giant track around the field, so like yeah. maybe it is bigger than it looks because the, the seats don't get that close to the field, but it doesn't look bigger than the big house. Yeah, it was definitely something where like when North Korea was like, we need to one up the world on something, so let's build this thing and make sure <laughs> we, we we call it a million people can be in it. Yeah, that's where they uh, everyone goes to watch people uh, run into a piece of concrete face first. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so what do you guys, uh, predictions for this game? What do you guys think? What's going to happen? <laughs> Northwestern Michigan Dog walk noon game on Fox in Ann Arbor. Wolverines Mike. dog walk them. Joe. Yeah. I think Michigan wins fairly easily, but at the same time, I've, I have seen them like Nebraska. Um, if they don't keep the pedal down, then could yeah, keep but Northwestern it's at home. In it. 
I don't think they're. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Someone else will buy. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 fine. Yeah, hopefully. I would say this is a typical trap game, but not with Northwestern. Like the spot is a trap game ahead of Michigan, Michigan State, but because it's Northwestern and it's at Michigan Stadium, I think it's going to be. What's the line at? It's probably large. I'm going to say it's probably going to be twenty or so. I I think they're just going to. Absolutely. That would be interesting because well, I guess Michigan and has and a half. Yeah, that's what I would expect. And that's what I think is going to happen here. Northwestern's just not talented enough uh, to hey, make this good, really a game. Good teams win, great teams cover. Northwestern <laughs> might be a great team this weekend. We'll see. Yeah, I, I just don't think they have enough to score to, to keep. I, I don't, their offense just really isn't, isn't much here. Um, but all right, guys. So that's going to do it for us this week. So follow us on Instagram at whiskers.whiskies and please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, Don't forget to check out our Saturday morning betting posts as well. And please send us your favorite bets for the weekend. Sharing is always caring, folks. Sharing is caring. Please. We need your help. Always. So join us next week for a huge episode when we talk about the Hartman Trophy. So for Mike and Joe... I'm EJ. Always remember, too much of anything is bad, but too much good whiskey is barely enough. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers.